I waited all week to see how this story would rank. And unfortunately, it's right outside of the bounds where I can give it any commentary. The number 11 story that cut off this week, white customer berates black Starbucks barista in viral video. Little, short little bits about this. The customer was wearing a Black Lives Matter t-shirt, and that started the fuss. Posted on Tuesday, the 20th of October. And as we said, at number 11, if you want more details on that one, search on the web or go to our website, thisisaconversation.com, click on the link for that story. Otherwise, let's get to the stories that you really told us you want to talk about. That's the stories number 10 through 1, that kind of that way, here on the Weekly Wrap-Up with Jay Cleveland Payne. This shows for the week ending October 24th, 2020. And welcome to the show. Jay Cleveland Payne, the host of this podcast, called the Weekly Wrap-Up. This is a wrap-up of weekly news shows, news headlines should say that are posted throughout the week at the social media sites attached to the conversation project all information and all that found at the conversation or this is a conversation.com and of course our social media sites are th underscore conversation for twitter and this is the conversation for facebook now if you've been here a few times you understand and know all that works if you haven't well here's quickly what happens we post a news headline and a link to a story out in various different sources about every 50 minutes going all day all night from friday to friday we basically post to cut it off from friday midnight to about friday four to five in the morning on central time uh, going that seven and eight days and five hours or whatnot and then we take at the end of the week when we cut that stories off cut the stories off we put all the stories listed into a spreadsheet and put decides how they've been engaged with on Twitter and Facebook. So the more engagement you give to a story, liking them, loving them, hating them, whatever, gives it a higher score. We give it a total single raw score so that everything gets more or less an apples to apples comparison. Then we rank them up from top to bottom and we, we do some eliminations. We'll explain that in a little bit. And then we come up with the stories from top to bottom, top Number one, obviously, number bottom this week, number bottom is 205. So out of the collection, we have 205 distinct different news stories to talk about this week, although we will only talk about in this podcast 11 of them, 12 if you count the cutoff story we talked about at the beginning in the tease. We'll talk about the top 10 stories from 10 to 1 in just a moment, and at the very end, we'll give you a little bit of details on the story at number 205, the almost relevant story of the week, because we'll tell you just why it's so low scoring. But you can find out every single story that we posted and more details about all of them by going to our website. This is a conversation dot com. Clicking on the link for this week's podcast podcast week ending October 24th, 2020. So if you want to be a part of the show, you can easily just follow us on social media and engage in the stories. TH underscore conversation on Twitter. This is a conversation on Facebook. You can actually even contribute to the show by going to this is a conversation.com slash partnerships and see how that happens. And anytime you see one of our properties, we have a newsletter. We have the feeds going back and forth. This podcast, the website. If you click on a link for any of our sponsors, we get a little bit of that and help keeps things going here as well. You can also reach out to us. There are some us's, although I'm about 90 percent of the us there. You can reach out to us here at the show by emailing the conversation inbox at gmail.com. All that said. Let's get to the numbers, starting at number 10. This story, uh, like I said, I was waiting all week to get to the story number 11, hopefully to talk about it, and now I can't. But we are going to talk about this one, which is still pretty cool anyway. Your headline, a rapid 
Rapidly rising Australian UFC fighter says he lives in a van with his dog because he effing hates paying rent and bills. The Insider.com brought us this one, and we brought it to you on Wednesday, the 21st of October. Uh, this one gets a bump in response, meaning more people wanted to talk about this story by leaps and bounds, uh, about 14.93%. And by the way, this is a story that this is why the Facebook and the Twitter are separate and why they're both important. This story made it into the top 10 by being the top rated Facebook story we had this week. Uh, it had that much response on the Facebook that it pulled it all the way up from what was a lower, no response, more or less on Twitter to put it in the top 10. That's a big deal. So the details on this young man, his name is Jimmy the Brute Crute. I hope I pronounced his last name right because it rhymes with Brute. Uh, he lives in a van. He makes pretty good money, but he lives in a van with a dog uh, b- because um, he doesn't like paying the bills. Um, he says in a quote inside the story, you can read deeper in the story, but basically, I don't really care what normal is. I don't give an F what people think about me. Um, and so this is a guy that's really doing real well. He actually won last week uh, in a big fight and took home $50,000 as a bonus from the fight. That wasn't even what he was expected to make from the actual purse, but that's a bonus from from winning the fight going there. So congratulations to Jimmy for basically sticking his finger into the man and making things work out. People love him, and we think this one is a big response story because we actually have a lot of listeners and a lot of response from Australia. I'm not sure where it comes from, but it just every time otter will say otter type stories from Australia pop in there. It's usually a week where we had a great response from folks on there. So folks down under, hopefully you're doing well. I know there's a lot of serious issues there. You had your fires going on in your summer season and your COVID-19 stuff is not so great as we have here. But we know that you guys have a great sense of humor and great loving people. And you gave us this guy and this story at number 10. Let's move the story at number nine. And that is Emma Roberts blocked her mom on Instagram after she accidentally revealed her pregnancy. Posted on Tuesday, the 20th of October, this story, a bump in response by 5.19%. Now, this is a very simple story. It basically goes as it is. So Emma Roberts uh, is kind of famous. Her mother, not so famous, but people who like Emma Roberts sort of started following her mother on Instagram. And she's grown a following on Instagram by being Emma Roberts' mother. Uh, she you know posts real, you know general things that mothers kind of do, and because she has a famous daughter, she'll post those things as well, and people will just eat it up. So on the gram, uh, one day she actually posted some congratulations and stuff about Emma and the progression of her pregnancy, which threw some folks off because Emma Roberts had not publicly talked about her pregnancy, and when she mentioned to her mother, "Why did you post that stuff out there?" And she said, because you told everybody about it, to which Emma Roberts said, no, mom, I did not tell anyone about it. But family, you told the world. And so in an interview, just kind of joking about it, she said she was kind of, you know, in that little zone thing where for a couple of days, she actually blocked her mom on Instagram, just sort of kind of blow off that steam. But now all is well, all is good. And because moms are moms and sometimes moms in the gram get a little carried away we got a little extra knowledge on emma roberts and the inside of her life especially information that we weren't supposed to know that was the details of her pregnancy 
So let's get the story at number eight. Kenyon Drake's meaningless 69-yard touchdown towards the end of Monday Night Football game was anything but nice for one fantasy football player. Bro Bible gave us this one. They gave us a lot of stuff these days. My aggregator gets all sorts of Bro Bible stuff, so they keep popping in there. You guys like this one. Wednesday, the 21st of October is when we posted it for you. A bump in response from the number nine story of 22.22%. Now, one of the oddities about some of the stories that we post, because we have to fill 24, 24 hours worth of stories and basically about 30 the 36 hours of posts within a day is the fact that some of these things are coming from places where just like the other news cycles have to fill their stuff. The other news places have to fill their stuff are essentially accounts of things that happen to other people that people can find a way to write them. as funny. Uh, the Cowboys and the Cardinals had a game on Monday night football and it was a pretty much a blow up blast that wasn't happy for Cowboy fans. But, um, Basically, what happened was uh, Drake, who plays for the Cardinals, uh, gets this big touchdown at the end of the game. It's meaningless. It costs nothing to the score. It doesn't mean anything for the game. But what happened was uh, someone posted on um, the social medias and it got picked up on how they lost a fantasy football matchup that weekend on that meaningless touchdown for that game because someone who hadn't set their lineup, hadn't changed their lineup since week two, had this player on their team who otherwise doesn't do very much anyway, and because the guy was winning up until Monday Night Football, that one touchdown knocked him out of the contention. Now, if you're a fantasy football player, you know all sorts of weirdness happens to knock you off your game when you think you've got the winning lineup and then all of a sudden you know everybody gets food poisoned and doesn't play well and you lose, especially this season as the COVID-19 becomes an issue for people's money playing fantasy football. This wasn't a people's money thing per se or a COVID-19 thing per se, but this is just the fact that some guy got in the field, scored a touchdown when it didn't mean anything, and because someone hadn't changed their roster in weeks and wasn't really expected to do anything, it killed somebody who had changed their roster in weeks and was hoping to actually win. So if you're a fantasy football player and you're one of those folks that get in the league and then sort of forget about it, check your stats Every week, at least every couple of weeks. So, you know how things are going. Don't just jump in there and disappear. We kind of need you to be in the game, if you will. Number seven, legendary Minneapolis Star Tribune sports columnist Sid Hartman dies at the age of 100. The Star Tribune, of course, where we got the source for this one, the main source of the source, Monday, the 19th of October, when we posted this one. And this bump of response from the number eight story Seven goes up by 6.06%. To go deeper into his life, go to our website, thisistheconversation.com. Click the link for this week's podcast, week ending October 24th, 2020. And you can go deeper into the full write-up they did because it showed a great loving and um, just caring response by the paper on one of their beloveds. But I'm going to read the first couple paragraphs so you get some sort of idea of what people thought about him and what he was doing up until the age of 100. Sid Hartman was, for all of his 100-plus years, a hometown guy. Born on the north side of Minneapolis on March 15, 1920, he worked for newspapers in his hometown for nearly his entire life until his death on Sunday afternoon. From a humble start selling newspapers on the streets in 1928, he wrote about sports for the Star Tribune for the ensuing decades. He was still writing three columns a week, his final one appearing on the day he died. Quote, 
My father's extraordinary and resilient life has come to a peaceful conclusion surrounded by his family. His son, Chad Hartman, tweeted earlier Sunday afternoon announcing his passing. More from Chad. I want to make it clear he didn't die from COVID, but COVID took away the enjoyment from his life by making him stay home. It took away the chance to see the people he liked. It took away his zest, not being able to go four, five different places every day and to laugh, to get on people and have them get on him. So the sports world is missing a king, a pioneer in Sid Hartman, uh, Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota is going to miss a person, a voice they've had for a long time. As I said, he's been working in newspapers essentially uh, since 1928, starting off as a paper boy and still hard at work writing sports columns, having this, the peace of mind and, and the state of mind to do that three columns a week, even through all this uh, COVID craziness. So we are definitely sending out thoughts and prayers to the family of Sid Hartman, the immediate family, and of course the larger family of people who enjoyed his work in sports. The story we have now at number six. The hero who taunted the Astros from a balcony bought his $200 megaphone after using an equation to calculate exactly how loud he needed to be. Yes, Pearl Bible bought us that one as well. Saturday, the 17th of October, bump in response of 31.43%. I am sometimes amazed by what picks up or what is picked up by you guys, and this is one that amazed me, but it did. And so the World Series is now officially on, and that's the Dodgers and the Rays, meaning the Braves and, of course, the Astros got, got, got. And one of the really funny things about this story about the Astros is there is a fan or a detractor, if you will, uh, who wanted to seriously torture and just get on the nerves of the guys playing for the Astros. So he rented some space in a balcony near the stadium, figured out using math, there's your STEM skills right there, how loud he needed to be because, of course, people weren't allowed in the stadium to heckle the guys and got a microphone for megaphone for $200 and was loud enough to be a heckler in a stadium with no people because of science. There you go. So using his powers for not exactly good, but sometimes really, really great. As I say, I wonder about some of the stories that attract people. I also wonder about some of the stories that the bro Bible blog thing, if you will, picks up, but they tend to be pretty popular. You tend to think it was popular enough, popular enough to sit at the number six spot for this week. At number five, former NFL running back Larry Johnson believes LeBron James committed a satanic blood sacrifice with Kobe Bryant to win NBA championship. Yes, this one made the top five Saturday, the 17th of October. Also for this one. So, yes, it was a weird day on Saturday with stories popping up. Bump in response on this one is just slight, just 0.72%. So these two stories are essentially twins of each other in the craziness and in their ranking. But this one right here ranks just a bit higher. Now, I'm not going to go into the story deeper. You can go click on it and read the link at our website. This is conversation.com and click the link for the cruise podcast. But here's the dealio. Former running back Larry Johnson of the NFL went on a raid, uh, believing that LeBron James to get that next championship for himself and to tie the championships for the Lakers 
had some sort of blood sacrifice with Kobe Bryant. And apparently people really took him seriously or maybe took himself extra serious. Sometimes I wonder about the stories that get into these things. And this is one that had a lot of, be honest, a lot of Twitter, a lot of Twitter, a tweet about this one. There are a lot of conspiracy theories about the Lakers and about LeBron James. And this is one of the more odder ones that I think I've ever that I've ever seen, at least about LeBron James. And so there's some really weird things about OJ that's still floating around that, you know, people want to believe. But you have the right to believe what you want to believe on this one on your own. I'm going to back away from this one and let you know that you can read more about this one at our website. You want to chat about this one offline. Email me at the conversation inbox at gmail.com. Next up, the story at number four. This is what we call a super story. A super story is a story that where we have similar headlines for things that basically get updated over a course of time, and we will then add their totals together to make sure they're not all over the place, just have them in one spot. This is an oddity for a super story. Now, the post that we're going with to talk about here is this headline. Trump abruptly ended 60 Minutes interview with Leslie Stahl. We posted it on Tuesday, the 20th of October, with a bumpy response of, well, let me back up with that. We posted it on Tuesday, the 20th of October. From there, we had two other subsequent posts to add into this super story. One was the fact that Trump was going to threaten to play the tape. And the one was that Trump, Trump played the tape. And so the other two stories really weren't much of a factor, but we knew they were out there and wanted to see exactly how much extra juice it would push it up there. This story made the bumper response from the number five story about 43.17%. But in actuality, the difference between um, where it was and where it wasn't uh, made no real difference. There was a large gap between the number five, number three story and this story at number four was on the low was on the lower end and closer to five. Now it's more or less in the middle. So there you have it. Uh, it, it, it didn't make much difference for there being a super story, but the details are pretty obvious. I'm sure you've heard this one. We posted it three times. Leslie Stahl hosted an interview with Donald Trump at the White House. It, it, it may have been sort of a sort of equal time thing from the interview from the week before with Dr. Fauci and Donald Trump sort of complaining about Dr. Fauci on, on 60 Minutes. It was also there's attachment where the you know they do the walking thing and they're going to do some walking parts with Vice President Mike Pence and maybe a little clips of him as well. Leslie Stahl sits down for the interview portion, and when they sit down, the White House sets up a little camera on the president. They want to save this for archival purposes. You know, it's it's getting towards the end of the term, maybe the end of his term period, and we'll see what happens. So it's essentially a, a a cell phone camera pointing at the president, picking up his audio, barely picking up her audio. Um, you can you can see the exact unedited version of the of the video, minus a lot of Leslie Stahl's actual voice because she's from the back end of the camera. And Donald Trump thought it showed just how unfair she was being to him. We will see as we tape this on Saturday. Tomorrow night in real time on Sunday when 60 Minutes puts together their pieces, one on Biden, one on Trump. Obviously, it'll be edited, but we'll see exactly what they'll put and what spin they put into the actual ordeal. Because if you watch the actual interview, it just looks like Donald Trump being belligerent and not answering questions and being mad because they're not being nice to him. Because he's been saying that a lot 
they're not being nice to me. We'll go from there. At number three, missing Zion National Park hiker Holly Coulter found alive after 12 days. Sorry for butchering that. Sunday, the 18th is the day we posted this one when we saw that she was found alive. Bump in response of 40.2%. Now, this is from the initial story. This story has grown and has gone back and forth a bit, and there have been plenty of other things posted. We didn't actually post any updates to it, but it, this story on its own was such amazing. It got a lot of response. The basic part of the story is Holly Cordier was hiking in the Zion National Park, got lost, and as the story goes, she survived on essentially pond water or river water for 12 days. Now, a few days going through the love and the adulation of having their lost loved one back. A lot of people started to sort of question these, these things as they do. And essentially some of some authorities started questioning because it seemed like if she would have actually drinking from the river water, she'd be in much worse shape because the river water isn't exactly the cleanest thing out there. Um, a lot of back and forth went going, going on uh, something about her being on a liquid uh, uh, fast and more explanations, more whatnots. So essentially, the lady was still was lost for twelve days, supposedly in the forest. No one's come to a resolution to say that she was not in the forest for twelve days, but people are starting to question whether she actually just lived off of river water or nothing completely for that period of time. I'm sure we'll still see this thing play out as they investigate these things, and we hope to get some level of truth soon. Who knows how long soon will be, but this is one of those things that are good, that are going to flip around for a little bit, even though it seems like a a done story and a not exactly important story with all other things going on. But these are the type of things that sort of stick in people's head, and then all of a sudden we get the actuality. Normally there are some sort of hoax. We are hoping this is not the case. At number two, the story we have here is... Police say man dangling off Trump Tower, Chicago, demanding to speak with Trump. The Hills, the day we posted this one on Monday, the 19th of October, 2020, of course. Bump in response from the number three story of 58.06%. Let me just read to you from the article in The Hill, which obviously was updated as it had happened. We posted this as it was live. There were some sort of trending stories on this, but it didn't get a lot of national response and a lot of big TV response because, you know, election. But let me just read to you from the Hills story so you can kind of get the gist of what it was. Authorities were investigating and nearby streets were closed off Sunday evening after a man was spotted hanging off the side of Trump Tower, Chicago, threatening to jump unless he was allowed to talk to President Trump. According to the Chicago Sun-Times, the man is in his 20s and was dangling off a balcony for more than two hours Sunday night. Police told the outlet a negotiator was attempting to get the man safely down after he threatened to kill himself. Authorities also said the man appeared to be using a climbing harness. Yep, they added a few hours later a tweet from Tom Ahern, who was a spokesperson for Chicago PD, Tom Ahern CPD. Update, situation resolved peacefully by negotiators, suspect in custody, no injuries. And that's it. If you want to see some of the pictures of it, you can go to our website, thisisaconversation.com, click the link for this week's podcast, 
And there's a big video when those those speaking videos that does the news that shows what's going on. We actually posted this this week. We uh, attempted to redo the afternoon check ins. And this was one of the stories that was very high on that afternoon. And so or the the Monday into the afternoon since it's posted through the weekend. So we had a chance to get that into there. So we're glad about that, I guess. But what was really, really interesting is the fact that this thing could have been a bigger thing, but wasn't a very big thing. And honestly, I saw, I think, no TV coverage of it whatsoever. I know I heard some of it maybe on the radio, maybe at, at some Internet stuff, but I saw no actual CNN, MSNBC, Fox News breaking news stories on this one. So we've come to the story at number one, which gets the fanfare it deserves for all the hard work it did this week to be the top story. It is top Twitter story, which, as we say, Twitter rules this thing. So that basically means it's number one on its own. This story gets a bump in response from the number two story and a lot of big jumps this week of 20.86 percent. It gets a bump in response from the number 10 story. That story was on the Australian UFC fighter living in a car with his dog because he ain't paying the bills or doesn't want to pay the bills, he can. That bump in response is 592%. And from the almost irrelevant story of the week, which we'll tell you about in moments, but that story listed at number 205 this week, the bump in response, this story is more responsive by 53,200%. It also, of all 205 stories this week, had the engagement percentage, it means of people who actually touched, felt, and shared and did what they want to with the story of 8.97%. So almost 10% of everybody who was in this thing this week had a chance to deal with this story. And here's your headline. And the poorly transcribed headline I see now, Pat Chambers stepping down at Penn State head coach, head basketball coach. Should be as Penn State's head basketball coach. I wanted to add um, Penn State in the title when I did that. And apparently, fat fingers on the phone don't work out so well. Posted on Wednesday, the 21st of October. And as we said, this was a top Twitter story, all the accolades it got. And it's really, really weird to be talking about college basketball right now, not because we should be talking about college basketball right now, which we actually probably should be. It's really weird to be talking about college basketball right now because we just literally about two weeks ago wrapped up the NBA. And of course, last year with the lack of madness in March Madness, there was no um, NCAA tournament for men or women, period. Uh, it's 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 kind of off-putting people should be going crazy going nuts with football of course should have started earlier as well uh, as they prepare for the early rankings of college basketball and right about now the opening of preseasons and very early openings of the nba so that on its own is a weird thing so there's not much going on to really warrant the shifting of guards but apparently we're already firing basketball coaches before the season even gets kicked off. Let's read from the story that we have. The source of the story is College Hoops Today. Uh, I think it's a blog because it's someone dude doing stuff. I think it's, he's a podcaster. But this is a source of the story that we use for this. Obviously, it was all over the place. Pat Chambers is resigning as Penn State's head basketball coach, according to multiple sources with knowledge of the situation. An official announcement is expected soon. 49-year-old head coach had his best team in state college last season, finishing 21-10 and overall and 11-9 in the Big Ten. The Nittany Lions were projected as a potential dark horse for the NCAA tournament last March before the event was canceled due to COVID-19. Chambers was the head coach at Penn State since, has been the head coach at Penn State since 2011, and prior to that was a head coach at Boston University for two seasons. And that's it. 
That's all that's there. But it was a big deal trending on the on the Twitters and the Facebook, and it was a big deal as it posted all the way to the top based on that. Now, what this really means for college basketball, nobody knows because nobody knows what college basketball is going to look like when it does start. I don't even know the actual dates when he starts right now. I don't know if there's a midnight madness in in the way other than the fact that they're going to try to figure out how to do all the protocols they can for all the games they can. It's worked not so well for college, I guess, and maybe it's well for college. Worked not so well for NFL and maybe well for NFL. The bubble that they put up for NBA basketball so far, the most effective NHL, NHL hockey, I guess, second best the way they played that, the isolation they had for those games. And, of course, baseball was a mess getting up to the World Series now. Dodgers in five, just if you need to have that seeming said. Uh, but we're going to see how basketball works out and how this thing works out. There's not much college basketball to talk about right now, and no one's talking NBA after we just finished it. But for some reason, Pat Chambers and his leaving of the program at Penn State was a really big story for the right people. I'm not sure the Australians made this choice, but uh, the right people picked it, and it is at the top story this week. So if you want more stories about odd choices in firing people and odd choices in seasons, you just keep doing what you're doing. And if you want more stories with other things in them, you do more of what you're not doing. And it's probably being engaged with our social media. Follow us on Twitter at TH underscore conversation. Follow us on Facebook at This Is A Conversation. We're the little blue speech bubble looking thing. And as we post stories about every 50 minutes throughout the days, all days, seven days a week, like them, love them, hate them, share them, engage with them. The higher the engagement they get, it gives them a higher score at the end of the week. We put them all together and rank them from top to bottom. And this week, bottom is at number 205. Now, going to some stats before we get into that story. Uh, we told you the engagement of story at the top this week, and that is a story on Pat Chambers. The engagement total of that one, almost 9%. It is officially 8.97%. We have some changes in the stats and what the top tens are. Normally, they've been a little less than, um, a little closer to 30%. Now, they've been going about 35%. So, the top stories are getting a lot more engagement these days. Top 10 stories, 35%. We used to have the middle, not quite middle, the 11 through 10 as a segment of the show. We don't do that full segment, but just to give you still some contrast, the almost ran stories that almost got into the batch had an engagement of about 5.35%. That's basically normal. Uh, the stories that are qu- not quite in range are about 5% of those or of the engagement of the total. The engagement for the bottom story is about where it normally is at 0.02%, more or less between 0.5 and 0.1%, and the very odd, sometimes occasional 0.00. The story at that headline reads like this. SABC news presenter fired while on the air. This is about South African, uh, uh, South African broadcast company. There's a lot of different ABCs. This is South African broadcast company. And it wasn't just her, by the way. TV news presenter Palisa Chalbuski was among 13 SABC employees to become the casualty of the public protectors report on the SABC shenanigans after she was allegedly fired while on the air Monday, the corporation confirmed on Monday night that 13 workers had received letters stating their readjustment of their employment status with the broadcaster. 
Uh, this story goes deeper and deeper. Let me go to skip a little bit. In the report, the complainant stated that in April 2016, the SABC appointed Trubisky permanently in the position without following and adhering to recruitment procedures and prescripts that were applicable. Sorry about that. At the time, she was referred and appointed ahead of other candidates that were suitably qualified and experienced for the position. The appointment was described as amounting to maldemonstration and impropriety. In their findings, Mabusqui said that SABC failed to advertise the vague position as required by its recruitment policy. She found that the appointment of Jabuski violated Section 1862 of the LRA and 261 of the Broadcasting Act, as well as Part B and Part D1 of the SAB recruitment policy. Going deeper in the story, which you'll need to go basically go through and read it out there. The action basically was to essentially fire a bunch of people that were essentially hired that were maybe not so much unqualified, but did not go through the process. And unfortunately it happened while many of these people were doing their job. Now this is in South Africa. So there's no way that I can think of anyone in particular who may know deeper details of this. This was a story that popped up and did not get a lot of love. So there's that. But this is something that's a very interesting story to look into. Check out the story, the article, uh, the full readout uh, on the independent blog, IOI, if you're into journalism stories, because that doesn't mean something like this could not happen in your major metropolitan area, whether you're here in the United States, maybe Canada or Mexico or Australia or Europe or anywhere around the world. We've got that kind of reach and we're glad about that. So, um, with that, really quickly going through some other quick details, uh, we talked about the engagements uh, totals, and I didn't get to the the big totals uh, for Twitter this week. Always the boss, eighty five point five seven percent, and for Facebook, going down to the normal levels. Facebook is normally a bit over ten percent this week, fourteen point four three percent. This one got a lot of love and a lot of big hits from from the brute. Who uh, who just said, F it, I ain't paying no bills. I'm living in a, in a van by the river with me dog. That's what he's doing. You guys love that. We love dog stories right here. And we love you guys for being a part of this story that is the weekly wrap-up with conversations. We'll call it a story with various, very odd chapters in the middle. We told you how to be engaged with the stories. We told you how to make sure your voice is heard. Now you can make sure you can really get your voice heard by emailing me at the conversation inbox at gmail.com. Do that, and that way we can have these offline discussions and figure out if we need to do more things, more tweaking, more adding back, more taking away to make the podcast, to make the website, to make the newsletters, to make the videos, make everything that's working good for you to keep you updated on news. You'll see all these stories, most of, except for maybe the Donald Trump, Leslie Stahl thing, most of these stories did not get any love whatsoever in the mainstream media. So if you want to have, have a source that's actually bringing you good news, maybe not so much good news, but good, different, diverse news stories from literally around the world, we think we are it. You want to help us do that mission, go to thisisaconversation.com slash partnerships and Find a way on the listing there that you may want to engage in helping us keep things going on the Internet air, if you will. The biggest thing you can do is essentially be a part of the actual podcast broadcast and share the podcast with folks. Make sure you are subscribed yourself so that you don't miss out on episodes as they come down every weekend. But share with other people who are news minded, share other things. We have our newsletter, uh, share our videos, share our website, share our, our social media links so that they can get involved as well. The more people we have engaged 
in greater conversations, the greater conversations we can have and the more diverse answers we have to the questions of what stories are the most interesting. That's what you said was interesting for this week. We'll see what goes along for next week. We are already, of course, posting stories out there right now. So check us out on social media. Check us out on our updates. Subscribe to our newsletter. Look for our videos on social media and just be you. Be curious. Ask the questions and send me some links here so often. If I'm not if I'm missing something, at me some things and we'll see if we can put it in the rotation and see what gets the response comes up there. And of course, we will see this time next week exactly what you said were the top stories. It's all about you guys, so we make it work that way here on the weekly wrap up with Jay Cleveland Payne. Thank you so much. We will see you next week. <laughs>